What's up, guys? Mitch from RespectMyRegion.com, back with another episode of the North American Weed Tour podcast. Episode 60, I believe. I love it when we hit even numbers. I don't know why. I'm just weird about that. Today, I'm joined with some special guests, man. I got Rico and James joining from California. These men are co-founders in a couple different companies in the cannabis space. We're going to talk about uh, the Cine Lounge Cannabis Club and then also Emerald Market. How are you guys doing today? Doing great, man. Thank you so much for inviting us on the show. Yeah, absolutely. I love what you, I mean, we we're talking a little bit before we got started. I really love what you guys are up to bringing kind of new experiences that are, you know, both friendly to this post COVID world, but also very friendly to the the culture and community of cannabis. So I'd really love to just dive into the, the Cine Lounge Cannabis Club and just get the inspiration of like how that started and kind of the origin of, of that series. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess we'll just start off with some kind of basic brief introductions, a little bit about me, and James. So I've been in marketing and sales uh, for quite some time. Uh, I was working with uh, Lure Digital, a digital marketing agency prior to starting Emerald Market. And as the director of marketing, I was looking at emerging markets and cannabis was those emerging markets. This was like 2017, 2018. And so uh, that, that's when I really fell in love with the industry. Uh, the founder at that time decided cannabis really wasn't the direction he wanted to go anymore, but I absolutely did. And so, and that's when I met James and we really started seeing not only one, was it one of the fastest growing industries, period, right? But two, it also needed a lot of help in the marketing and advertising space. Coming from traditional world, a lot of the tactics and strategies being used just weren't being used in cannabis. It was very haphazard. It was very all over the place. Um, a lot of the omni-channel approach just wasn't really wasn't really there. And so, and then when we met with some of our channel partners and our brand partners, when we asked them, you know, kind of what's your strategy? What are you guys looking to do? Um, it was, man, we don't even know uh, with compliance and regulations. We don't know what we can do, what we can't do. And we were like, oh, you know, you could do TV advertising. They were like, what? No. So um, we really wanted to create a central marketplace to make it easy for marketers in both CBD and cannabis to find all their marketing needs, whether it was advertising on television, OTT linear, in dispensary advertising, event activations, click-through attribution, we all wanted to bring it into one central location. Yeah. And so, um, and events being the big thing that we're talking about today, what our focus is on the event side was taking cannabis outside of the traditional ecosystem that it already exists in. And I think James, you alluded to that a little bit before we started the call. The cannabis is really kind of all talking to the same demo. Um, they're all really focusing in the same demographic market, legacy consumer. And really to us, that's that's not the biggest growing market. The biggest growing market are the new consumers, the emerging consumers, the kind of curious or people who've been a away from cannabis for years and years. They did it in college or high school, and now they're kind of starting to get back into it. And so we think those are the fastest growing consumers and really the ones you want to be targeting, the new consumers. So we want to create events and opportunities for brands to get in front of those consumers that are based in interests and not based in cannabis. And so um, Cine Lounge, which is the big one that we're talking about today, that one basically is movie focused. That's the interest of it. We found a theater uh, here in the heart of Hollywood that's been running movies. It's called the Cine Lounge Outdoors. They've been doing movies for a while. And we told them, hey, we asked them, hey, can we take over your Saturdays and turn it into a cannabis private lounge where we bring out cannabis brands, people are able to engage with the brands, they're able to try products, try food, really, really kind of come out and enjoy. And then we play amazing movies. So it's really focused on the movie aspect and creating that enjoyable atmosphere, but it also includes cannabis. And that that's my focus, I think, more than anything else. And so I feel like I've been blabbing a little bit, but James, you've been in the cannabis space for quite some time. Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, so I've been in the cannabis space since 2014, 2015, kind of somewhere in there. I got involved in a dispensary uh, back then, and it was, you know, the pre-ICO days. And um, from then, um, we started SEC Big, um, the, the business meetup group that we've done in LA for a long time. And, um, you know, what we've seen is just that the brands have um, challenges of finding opportunities that are safe places to engage consumers. So this has been a dance, you know, backwards and forwards from the, you know, Prop 215 days to now legalization days. There's not um, a, a really clear structure for brands to engage consumers unless, you know, you have 
uh, a licensed event that is licensed by the state and the city, which is uh, a bit complex and requires an enormous amount of insurance. And there's a lot of landmines for, for the brand. So our focus, uh, especially right now with events, is finding um, sort of turnkey, finding and designing turnkey solutions for brands where they the heavy lifting they have to do is just come to the event, activate, and sort of be a good partner. You know, they, they, it kind of removes the construction side of event building and um so yeah that's that's what we've been creating and we really love the movie space this isn't something we originally thought of you know we weren't sitting around you know brainstorming this it just sort of came about in conversations that we were having with some friends and when we found the outdoor theater it really matched um a lot of the things that brands are looking for first of all it's outdoor so it was covid safe you know, anything under a thousand people outdoor, you really have a flexibility inside of the COVID restriction uh, concept. Um, plus, we have seating for 250. So now we have capacity. Uh, you know, we have the ability to expand into space. And um, it's a beautiful space. The other thing is we don't have to do a lot of heavy lifting to make it beautiful. It's already beautiful. So to have this sort of pre-built machine where we can kind of come in create our own community and then invite brands to be a part of that community. It's been fantastic. And brands have been in, it's just, it's a great discovery for us and honestly an amazing discovery for the brands. So it's been great. And the community, you know, I think that's the biggest thing that you touched on. We're creating a crazy, amazing little community of people who want to go out to cannabis infused events. That's probably the best way to put it. Cannabis infused events. It's not a cannabis event. It's an event that's infused with cannabis Mm. and people really, really love that kind of concept. And so we're getting regulars now. We've been, we've been going for about three weeks. We're going on to our fourth week now that we've been going consistently doing every Saturday. And we absolutely have regulars coming out every week. They just love it. They love the community. They love the engagement. They love meeting new brands and trying new product. And the cool thing too, is that we're not just focused on any type of, so we have like a dab bar for more experienced consumers who want to come out and really, they know what they want. They want to enjoy it. Uh, We have delivery on site as well. But then we have like brands like Can. So Can is one of our primary sponsors. That and Can is a microdose drink that's really trying to get a lot of the new consumers. So we'll have brands like that. Higher Path, one of the dispensaries out here in in Los Angeles, does like a little educational booth where they're going to help people who are kind of new to cannabis figure out what's microdosing, what's terpenes, what's this, what's that. So we kind of kind of have our little education corner. We have our more experienced corner. So it's really kind of open to the people who are just interested in getting involved in the movie scene and also including cannabis. That's that's awesome. And obviously being in the heart of Hollywood and intertwining movies, you know, there's some direct correlations there that just seem to make sense. But a lot of what really stands out to me is like providing that experience for attendees, right? Because from a, a standpoint of connecting with brands or products, right? Like, ex- and especially cannabis, because cannabis is an experience based you know, product, if we put it in a product category, um, you know, associating a product or a brand with an experience or discovering a product or brand across an experience, you just have this deeper connection to it. So That's it's right. much more like what you guys were saying of seeking out these alternative advertising or marketing channels for brands, right? You guys have essentially created a way for brands to connect with people over an experience, correct? Yeah. In an authentic, in a really, truly authentic way. Yeah. And, you know, the, the the lane we're in, you know, it, it's kind of like uh, it's it's ideal for us. And the reason is we have sort of a warm up period before the event. Then we have a captive audience for two hours and then we have another hour to kind of, you know, wind down. That's amazing for us because people are already um, kind of relaxing in the space. They're ready to chill. They're like they are really open to this can of curious exploration that happens in our events it's fantastic so if you look at experience type events like let's say it's a golf event or you know other experience based things um they work in those specific uh uh intentions like you know you're very specific about that specific crowd and like what you're intending to accomplish ours feels like it's very wide open like we have a wide path because the people who come to our events are all ages Like we have the grad students that come through from different colleges that Mm -hmm. are like just out of grad school. They're like 21 to 24 years old and they are creating this new path 
They love the experience. They're there to try new product. They love to chill and find the right things, like whatever matches them. So we have that demographic. We have quite a bit older demographic too that's kind of like from 40 to 55, you could say. And these people are like movie lovers. They're like, they love the movie. They love to come for the food. We have really great food options. So they're, they're kind of into the total experience and they, that's what they buy. So it's really interesting to see this demographic of like the new consumers who come out that want to have something fun to do in Los Angeles, especially in Hollywood, like right in the middle of the scene. You know, we're right in the middle. Um, and then all the way up to the older consumers who are like they 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 have this experience like with their friends or somewhere privately. But now they can come out and meet new people like in the same scene. It's like a little scene. And um, I've heard that before at the door where people are coming to meet new people yep. that are into the same things they're into. It's really pretty fascinating to watch this thing um, uh, um, expand because – go ahead. No, that's perfect actually. Yeah, and, and uh, the, first two, the first two guests ever uh, that walked in our door, two young women, amazing. I have photos with them. I love them. Uh, they specifically came because they were like, we're trying to meet girls in L.A. who are interested in cannabis like us, and they didn't know where to find that. And mm. so they were like, we thought, what a better place than a movie scene where we can go and smoke and meet people. Yeah. And it's safe. It's not, you know, it's a, it's a movie. It's not like you're going to a raging concert in a specific direction. Like no disrespect to any of that stuff. It's just kind of feels like we have our own little pocket and it's, uh, it's, fa it's fascinating. Yeah. And, and as much as, you know, we kind of talk about the experience base, but what you guys brought it to is like community is so important around it's cannabis. Everything. Right, like pre-legalization and this conversation keeps coming up on every podcast in its own form but like pre-can pre-legalization like community is how you found cannabis it's how you shared you know interests or how we connected with people over cannabis and i think that's the real power of cannabis when we look pre-legalization right the community the sharing of thoughts and opinions right that was really the power behind the plant and then the community itself is solely responsible for propelling this thing to legalization and then providing outlets like what you guys are doing are further breaking down the stigma because like, like you said, people can literally come together and whether it's networking or just meeting new people yeah. or, or, or share, you know, over these shared experiences, that's like the root of what cannabis has been or why it's been so important for so long. And we also want to break the stigma. So a lot of people who are new to cannabis, they think they're going to come out to a cannabis like our movie, The Cine Lounge, and they think it's going to be, you know, Cheech and Chong, just smoke everywhere. And they're just going to walk in and basically just get contact high and be high for the rest. And it's not that at all. You know, it's it's for one, because it's outdoors. You don't have that that real cloud smoke, which is really cool. And I and we really enjoy creating that. But at the same time as well is that because you have both new consumers and, and, and more uh, experienced consumers, you have a lot of new people who are like unsure and kind of trying things out and are really unsure. It's, it's a really cool, unique space. And I think it also helps to start destigmatize. Cannabis isn't what everyone thinks it is. Cannabis is what you want it to be, right? If you want it to be a space where you can go and you have a couple drinks of low dose THC drinks, and then you sit and watch a movie and laugh with your buddies, you could do that. Or if you want to go and hit the dab bar, and get smashed and just chill out with some delicious barbecue, you can do that too. You can yeah. kind of create, craft your own experience. And that's what we want to allow people to do. We don't want it to just be set like, oh, if you're coming to the Cine Lounge, it's going to be heavy hitting hardcore every time. Nah, man, it's also chill. It could be a really cool spot too. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah that's, that's awesome. It provide that variety um, of experiences for people. And, and, and something that, you know, that, that stuck out to me, um, is that something like this, right, is not just, like you said, it's not just focused on cannabis. It's built around this interest of going to the movies and cannabis involved. And, and you use yeah. the terminology of cannabis-infused events. And I think that's definitely important for not only breaking the stigma, but also providing a, a well-rounded experience where it's not a cannabis-centered event. When we look at, you know, we were talking about this right before we started, like no event is an alcohol. Well, I mean, there's like Brew, like micro brew events and like, you know, I don't know, whiskey events or whatever, but the majority of your traditional events, you know, whether it's, I don't know, fucking Dave and Buster's to Disney World to whatever, it's not a, a alcohol focused thing, but alcohol is available yeah. at everything. You know, I mean, from a sponsorship advertising level to just think consumption, right? Any think about think about to, a baseball game, right? Yeah. A major league baseball game. You're not going there necessarily for beer, but it's probably going to happen where you're having a beer and hot dog and peanuts and, you know, all the things that happen at that experience. And you're doing it with 50,000 other people. 
you know, that's that's where we think this is going, you know, where it's going to be experience based and we're part of the experience. And we're going to start to create opportunities for people to just be doing the thing that they love, going to a baseball game, going to the movies, going wherever, and in, going to comedy and including cannabis. The, the crazy idea that we that we don't have set comedy, you know, there's a few places out here doing it, but, you know, it's not a thing yet to have these big comedy things with cannabis involved because it's so difficult. There's so many obstacles with allowing cannabis to be there. Yeah. So we're basically just trying to push that barrier and push that barrier as much as we can to try to create those opportunities. And and there's going to be more events and more opportunities that continue to explode out of this. And we look forward to that. We don't want to be the only ones out there doing this. We want to help to push it and we want others to kind of do the same thing. And, and one thing I just want to note is that, you know, there's a lot of events that start up and do their thing. And our experience has been that brands are extremely compliance centric. So one of our specialties and things that we have sort of figured out along the way by taking a few lumps is uh, figuring out the compliance structure so that when we do have events, we've pre-thought out the compliance structure so that when we do pitch a brand and we say, hey, here's the opportunity in whatever this might look like for you, we've already kind of thought a couple steps ahead because ultimately the decision makers are the attorneys and CFOs of these particular brands. The first, one of the first set of questions they asked is compliance. You know, like, what is it? There's a few sort of tricks that we have in that space that allow us to get right to the meat of the sales conversation, which is, you know, this is the type of event where experience can be possible for new consumers for you, but it's always after that first hurdle of compliance. So, And it's not even just the cannabis. So for example, we just did an event with LA Magazine for their LA food and wine event, large scale, two to 3000 person event. They've been doing it for years. This was the first year they really allowed cannabis to come in and kind of showcase itself and it was honestly the bell of the ball there was lines around the corner people were excited there was like you know older gentlemen walking around like i'm drinking cannabis right now it tastes just like alcohol it just tastes like alcohol (laughs) like it's such a cool experience but it was the whole there was a whole endeavor of the venue saying like well wait a minute cannabis what is the like was legalization where's the thing all this stuff so the fact that we kind of deal with that and take the brunt of it then we just bring in cannabis brands and say, hey, we already dealt it. We got it coordinated. We got everything locked in. Now we just want you to be a part of this first time ever cannabis corner yeah. that we create. Right. And that's what we did with LA Magazine. And we want to continue to do that with other events and other uh, uh, things. Again, Cine Lounge is just one of the opportunities. Um, it's the one we are really, really passionate about right now. But we're going to continue to do other stuff as well. Yeah, and I love that because you know, you know, back to what's available for events, right? The, the lounge aspect is something that's being pushed in California. It's not, you know, I, I live in Washington. That's not even on the talking points of what's going to come in the future. But even still, that is providing a space that is like centered with the mindset of like only going there to consume cannabis, and that's all that you're going to do. Which is, you know, fine. It's great to provide those safe places for people, but it's not a place that's going to continually break down the stigma and provide an experience like what you guys are seeking to build on this blueprint and copy and paste, um, not copy and paste, but take to other things with that same ethos um, behind it. And, and I think there's, there's just so much power behind that because like you said, it's not people, people of all different walks and understandings of cannabis can come together. And that's really, you know, the community is really where the power is. So how much has COVID shifted you know, your guys's approach to events, obviously this is outdoor. And, and so you said there, you know, it satisfies both, you know, kind of making it easy to access consumption, but also is COVID friendly and priests in a lounge. I know you guys were heavy in events. So how much has COVID affected what you guys have been doing and, and, and the way you operate? Oh man, it, it hit us pretty hard. Cause originally when we started, uh, cause we originally started Emerald market towards the beginning of 2020 and we were going to focus mostly on events. Obviously, we're, we were going to build out the whole marketing side and do television and all that. But we were going to focus heavily on events. And then COVID went prah, and just knocked that out of us. And so we had to adjust from there. And obviously, cannabis is such an experiential type of product, like you had mentioned earlier. Um, events was, was eventually going to come back. It was absolutely never going to go away. So, But it made us have to focus on other types of advertising and marketing. But it also, what it did is it made other cannabis brands have to focus on other types of advertising. And so now cannabis brands are really starting to familiar. Because before, before COVID, honestly, cannabis brands just weren't focused on 
television advertising, uh, click-through attribution advertising, digital advertising. It was just way too complicated, way too difficult. You couldn't get it done, and they just weren't familiar with it. So it was like off the table. As soon as COVID, had, they had to learn. They had to figure it out. Yeah. So they were like, what is the CPA? What is how do, what is the key metrics I want to figure out? What are the KPIs that I need? to? They needed to learn that, and they needed to learn that quickly. And so what we're trying to do is kind of be that conduit be that bridge between the cannabis space and what it was and the traditional marketing world and saying, hey, we'll help guide you through that. We'll talk to you about what kind of KPIs you need to be re uh, looking out for, what kind of metrics you need to be looking out for so that you feel secure because you can't just do events anymore. You can't just do, even though it's coming back, they've kind of got a slap in the face to realize, hey, you're going to have to have an omni-channel approach when you're doing these marketing and advertising tools. So if you want to grow, you're going to need to start thinking about Digital advertising, you're going to have to start thinking about narrative-driven content advertising and marketing. You're going to have to start thinking about click-through attribution. All of this in addition to social media events and all that stuff. So um, it, it's made us have to really be consider how we explain marketing and advertising to the brands and what's the best resources we can provide to them. Yeah, and I would add that um, you know, COVID was definitely um, brutal for the event space. Um, but it, for us, it was a big opportunity to learn the new conversation around um, marketing and advertising along with the brands. You know, it's not like we had a magic pill. It's like we learned it at the same time. And it allowed us to do a, an enormous amount of discovery. You know, we kind of got into some of these big strategic partnerships that we have because of COVID, because there were no other event options, it forced us into this lane. And, you know, luckily we have a little bit of biz dev experience and we kind of were able to craft some really cool partnerships on those partnerships. We built some of the big strategic partnerships we have now, like with Cine Lounge and Los Angeles Magazine, et cetera. So I, you know, overall, if you look at it a little bit more macro, it was extremely positive for us, brutal uh, micro, you know, like right in the face of it. Um, but it was like a, you know, a college education in one year. And so it was phenomenal. Yeah. We went through the gauntlet. Yeah. And you know, us, I don't, you know, this isn't about us. It's about you guys, but we went through a very, a very similar, uh, very, everybody very similar thing. Yeah. Um, I'm sure everybody kind of had to go the gauntlet. It was and, rough. And I think, you know, another thing that's worth noting too, I mean, I, I absolutely agree that COVID helped speed up kind of the acclimation to the world of digital or, even traditional advertising and marketing um, in this industry. But I also think the maturation of the California market, right? Like it's so competitive and so crowded. And now we're seeing an oversupply of like flour that it's like, you know, it's difficult to get on shelves, but there's one thing that no matter what product you're selling your industry, you're at, if there's demand for your product or brand, getting shelf space will not be an issue. Right. And, and so many people face this challenge of, uh, I need to spend all this time getting shelf space. And then once they get it, it's like, how do I drive demand for my product beyond 100%. just price, you know? And, and so that's a big aspect of helping these companies start to understand. Not only is there these channels available for marketing, but you need to learn how to, you know, do the traditional marketing funnel of build awareness and then to build curiosity. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. When I talk about tra uh, traditional marketing, I don't talk about the actual channel. I mean how you leverage that hmm. channel to tell your narrative. So that's a big thing that I've been talking to brands. I'm like, you need to have a narrative. There's, especially in California, it is extremely oversaturated. And when people walk into a dispensary, there's 10,000 brands and they're all just saying the same thing, having the same color or whatever. They're changing brands out every week. You have to have a narrative. You have to start to create a community within your consumer base, right? And so now they have to start thinking, how do we create a community within our consumer right. base? How do, we, how do we make our fans that love us and are advocates for us, right? Not just people who love us because we're the dopest weed out there. That's not enough. That's not mm -hmm. going to work. We have the highest, you trying to compete on THC, you're going to lose well, because someone else is going to come with another well, higher THC. Well, there's a market for that, right? But it's like this big. Yeah. You know? The, the big market, the big opportunity is the brand, you mm -hmm. know, build, building that brand so that your fans have a place to love your brand, you know, whether that's online or at event experiences. I mean, I recognize this when we were working with Can at the event at the uh, Cine Lounge, you know, we would get people in there who were just, I mean, 
these are like super fans. It's like Michael Jackson was here. You know what I mean? It's like the super fans are like, we love Ken. It's like they came out because Ken because was of there. Ken. Mm. It's the, it's, they have the color scheme. They have the right messaging. It's like they're when they run full page, you know, uh, spreads in different magazines, they're all about it. These are the super fans. They're like, this is for the specific community that they're in love with. And Ken is speaking directly to them. So for us, it was fascinating because Ken, they're trying to get the message out and find their community. For us, it was like we just we're like in this center, which is like we're providing a safe space for the bus to come, activate, do the sort of mobile dispensary thing. And then the Can fans show up and they're like, oh, my God, this is my brand. You, you want to talk about locking in like lifelong consumers. It feels like that's where the intersection we're at. You know what I mean? Like we're we're creating this space where the brand can speak to the super fan and make more super fans. And like that is that's an amazing space to be in. And if you look at general just marketing and advertising in general across the board, consumers are going cause based. That's what they're shopping with now in general period across every product line. Consume because there's just so much variety now with Amazon and all this. You can order eight thousand different versions of one light mm -hmm. or shirt or whatever it is. So it and they're all around the same price or generally around the same price. So now consumers, especially the younger millennials and Gen Zs, they want to buy with a cause. And it's also because they also don't have a lot of leverage. It's also a way for them to feel like they have power. So that you know, Gen Zers and millennials. They're not in power yet. They're not the politicians. They're not the people making the rules, but they still have to deal with a lot of the struggles and obstacles that these people who are making the rules are doing. So for them, like buying with a brand that has a cause that supports global, you know, um, yeah. uh, supporting climate change and supporting, you know, women's rights and equality and LGBTQ community, those speak to them and they're like, hey, it's me at least trying something yeah. to have control. It's a flex. It's a flex. Yeah. And so what the cannabis community, they just need to figure that out, get in that lane and understand it the same way. And I think there's a few brands out there that are really starting to do it. But as a whole, the industry really needs to start kind of creating what's that brand with a cause because that's where the consumers are. That's where they're in general purchasing yeah. power is coming from. Yeah, 100%. I, I see that as the future. Like if you were going to go to Gelson's at some point in the future – and buy your CBD product or even your cannabis product maybe in the future, right? You're not going to be necessarily looking for the run-of-the-mill stuff. You're going to be looking for cause-based stuff. Oh, this thing supports cleaning the plastics out of the ocean. This is 4Ocean, right? This is the 4Ocean brand of cannabis. That I see that as like that. that's where we're headed is there's going to be some very big strategic partnerships for brands. The brand opportunity, like if I'm a big brand, if I'm a big MSO, I'm like how can I hook up with 4Ocean? How can I hook up with Patagonia? How can I hook up with these? Because these big cause-based brands, there's going to be a lot of fun crossover there for like festivals and like co-doing co festivals, stuff like that. Dude, We've already seen massive. it with the LGBTQ. LGBTQ has been like one of the biggest demo groups that cannabis is finally focusing on. But that's just one, right? It feels mm -hmm. like we, we pick one demo and then the whole industry just starts pointing yeah. at that demo. And I'm like, okay, guys, yes, that's one demo. There's also others. There's the ocean. There's, you know, uh, equal rights. There's, uh, you know, all kinds of social justice, you know, all kinds of different causes to kind of get behind. And so um, I think the industry is starting to finally find its way that way. Yeah, no, and that's a great point uh, around positioning, you know, because I, I, I've seen, you know, Last Prisoner Project's been one that like everybody's working with. And it's a great one. It's an easy sell, right? Like if you explain, if you're into cannabis and you explain it's it, it's, it's very easy to be like, yeah, I support that. But at the same time, so many people are associating with that. And I'm not trying to talk anyone out of associating yeah. or giving dollars to that, but it, it moves your differentiation, right? If you go into the store and 10 different products are all for the same cause, just much to your point. Now it's the same product, same price point, same it cause. Loses it loses value. Because everyone's doing the same thing. Yeah, there's no positioning, no differentiation. And that's what I really liked about Can. Like I'm a really, I, I stand their rollout. And, um, you know, again, I'm in Washington where the top selling beverage is the 100 milligram THC, the highest dose you can get in the state. Whereas in California, it's like the 2.5 milligram, which is completely different. But to your guys' point, that Can of Curious, that emerging market is the larger, largest market. And they had a product that positioned to that market. And Amazing. thanks to... Thanks to high level marketing and celebrity platforms was able to actually communicate that, but it's, they're an example of having a position product with a narrative and then 
distributing that message to the masses. And obviously it's, it's caught on. And I think a lot of brands out there can learn from that. Oh yeah, man. Think, think about like, you know, a lot of people are, you know, thinking about where can I sell my product today? Cause they're, you know, they're very short term focused and I understand, you know, a lot of startups and, you know, people who are worried about like every single dollar today, that's how they have to do it in order to survive. I totally get it. If you're a big brand, you're thinking like, if I'm going to get into Gelson's, you know, with one of my products in the next 24 months, my brand needs to speak to the Gelson's customer or, you know, or Trader Joe's or Whole Foods or whatever, whatever your target person is. But those supermarket type places, that's where the products sell at mass scale. That's where you hit the mainstream consumer. You want to be on the freeway? That's the freeway. So you got to be thinking like, how am I going to get my product into that space? So it's in, imagine getting a rollout in uh, Whole Foods with your mm. product. It's ridiculous. You know, hundreds and hundreds, even thousands of stores. You want to go big? I, that's why I like Kent. Kent's amazing. Their brand positioning is unbelievable. It's phenomenal. It's like, you know, class A. And where they're thinking is like Whole Foods. I want to be in Whole Foods. As soon as, soon as Whole Foods opens that door, they're mm -hmm. going to be first in line. Whole Foods is not looking for that 100 milligram dude. And look, no disrespect to the 100 milligram dude. I totally get that. I understand that market. I love that market. But that's this market over here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The Gelson's market and the Whole Foods market is like everything else. And I see Can as being one of those sort of blue chip companies over the next five years. You're going to watch dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of brands try and hit the uh, beverage market and you know most 90 percent are going to bounce they're going to mm -hmm. bounce off the rim not can i don't see can being that unless there's another internal problem or like big functional issue like big corporate issue no way they're going to be one of those blue chips and that, that's why i'm excited about can i'm excited because that type of attitude that type of strategy is going to take it to the mainstream that's where i want us to, that's where i want cannabis to be and, you know, my thing, too, is there's so many lanes that aren't even open yet. So I was just talking with James about there's a hot sauce brand that we're it's a new brand. It's emerging. There's they're still working on getting a couple pieces done. But hot sauce infused cannabis or cannabis infused hot sauce. Amazing. Right. That's not a big lane with a ton of brands yet. But that's right. the great thing about cannabis is that it, it there's so many different uses for it. We don't even have all the lanes yet. So there's, it's, it, we're like on the front of the tech boom. There's so much opportunity for brands and unique innovators to come out here, create a product that is unique and different, that has a cause, that has a purpose, and just cut their way yeah. right in there. There's so yeah. much opportunity right now. Yeah, and if you – another thing – sorry, we're just like going <laughs> no, Run it, run it. <laughs> so if, if you think about market timing, okay – uh, the big thing has been legalization, right? Legally, everybody's waiting for legalization. Well, you know, we've been waiting legalization for Los in Los Angeles. Like we've been waiting here for what? I don't know, years, years and years. Yeah. So we're hoping that, you know, we can figure it out to get it done federally. When it happens federally, it's like game on for everyone. So if you think about right now, what's happening with legalization, federal legalization, we're probably inside of two years. Right. That's probably a safe bet. There's some sort of like light version. Crossing my hands you know, and my feet and my arms. Light version of federal legalization happening in the next 24 months. Hopefully it'll probably be a political platform thing for the next election. Like that's that's what's happening right now. So if you're a brand and you're in R&D mode and you're like, oh, I don't know if I've missed the boat or whatever, man, the game hasn't even started yet. Right legalization federal legalization means that i'm going to be able to ship interstate on the new on the new uh, pitch that's uh, you know up for vote that's what they're talking about they're talking about interstate commerce you're talking about interstate commerce could you imagine having banking interstate commerce with a federally legalized cannabis low dose product this is when can explodes you know what i mean so if you're like i'm the hot sauce brand right and i'm like i hope i didn't miss the boat Man, the game hasn't even started. Right, right now is the time to get your position, get your brand tight, figure out what your customers like, the right price point, figure out maybe your small distribution strategy. How do I activate my Instagram and build my fan base? Like now's the time. Like the next 18 months is so important for people who are trying to get in the space. It's now. Yep. It's like then now's the time to go. Absolutely. And so what are, what are some of these ways that you can envision 
um, cannabis brands utilizing the, you know, what are, what are the channels that you, you guys envision cannabis brands can, can leverage to get their brand and their message out there? And then what are some of the ones maybe that you guys think are underutilized? So for me, it, the, the two that you just mentioned are actually the same one in the same, at least one of them is television. I think that television, it's the number one marketing tool for alcohol, right? Alcohol uses, think about the most interesting man in the world, all these huge campaigns that we remember. Oh yeah, it, alcohol uses television like crazy. And so that is the emerging marketing channel for cannabis that is going to explode. There's some incredible, incredible net, social club TV, the fastest, largest growing uh, television network here in the cannabis focused television network. Absolutely love them. They're doing traditional programmatic ads. So think of like the Geico's and the Campbell's and all that next to an iSpire uh, brand, next to a cookies ad. They're doing right next to them programmatic advertising with direct advertising that destigmatizes the industry. It normalizes the industry. It makes it just a regular product like alcohol. And so television, television advertising, both programmatic advertising, linear advertising, and then sponsorships like this show is brought to you by mm-hmm. all that is really the my in my idea the fastest growing marketing channel for cannabis one that's underutilized and that when the cannabis industry really gets their grip around it it's gonna explode uh, I'm I'm not even kidding you yeah and I I think that um, you know I'm um, kind of more hooked on the events stuff. I think that the festival space is going to explode with cannabis. Okay, there's a couple signals for that that I've seen recently. One is um, Insomniac Events, right? They sold 50% to AEG or whatever the deal they did, right? Well, the guy who started Insomniac, Pascal, right, Pasqual, he when in the old rave days, what they would do is, and this was just raving in general, was that you had map points and you had to have places where you buy tickets, okay? So in the old days in Los Angeles, where you would go to buy rave tickets, especially Pasquale sold the hell out of tickets like this, is they would be at smoke shops, they'd be at record shops, graffiti shops, right? That's what they did. That's how they sold tickets. So one announcement that they recently did is they're going to start selling tickets to their EDM festivals, which have like 200,000 people at them, at dispensaries. Mm. So this, it, it didn't really get picked up a whole lot by people, but I came from the rave days. I remember that. That's how he got started. Imagine having the power to drive EDM customers, which are the exact target market that all these brands are looking for, to your dispensary to buy those tickets to that festival. It's massive. Yeah. I think I think these are the early signals where festivals are going to get permits for sales on site. I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen in a massive way. I think Pasquale, those guys at Insomniac, they're the early leaders. They're going to smash the space with that. You'll be seeing, you'll be seeing festivals where you're doing two, three million, four million dollars in sales in a weekend, five million dollars in sales in a weekend. It's going to happen. And, and those guys are going to do it. And you know, we will keep it things on the quiet here, but we actually have opportunities that we're trying to create as well big, large scale events, Coachella level events focused on cannabis and consumers and really focused on buying and selling and getting consumers trying product. That's what James is alluding to. And I think he's spot on on that too. I probably have to go both of those, the television and the event space. Those two are the two spaces and the event space. Once that blows up, I'm saying it's going to be insane. Think about a 10,000 person event in the the heart of uh, Los Angeles that allows for cannabis sales. And right. and have like two stages and, and festivals has musicians and coming like, out and all this it's bananas. Who wouldn't go to that? Yeah. Who would? I mean, people who aren't even into cannabis would go to that just to see what the heck yeah. that is. And that's a unique thing that cannabis brings too. It brings a novelty that's new. So people have been to alcohol events. They've been to to uh, you know all the other style of events. You know what most people have been to cannabis kind of events. Right. And they're super interested in what that looks like and what that's yeah. like. That novelty is going to bring a huge amount of people, at least for the first five to ten years. And, and think about it, right? You're going to need brand power to get the general consumers there. You're going to need it. So, you know, I don't know if I'm allowed to be even talking about this, but like one of the things we're looking at right now is our partnership with Los Angeles Magazine. Okay, 
Los Angeles Magazine, that's brand power in LA. Okay, right? These guys are amazing. One I'm, of the largest publishers here I in Southern California. I love what they do. I love what they do. Their style's so hot. They're always, you know, they're kind of on the forefront of think, thinking, critical thinking, especially in Los Angeles. We're talking about cool stuff, right? They're interested in this type of conversation. They're like, how can we legally do a 10,000-person event where brands can come talk things? And then LA Magazine produces it. This isn't like, you know, nickel and dime production. This is like top of the top. You know what I'm saying? As long as their brand sponsors, the normal market brand sponsors sign off on it, which they're more and more getting to that position, they're going to produce an event around food. And cannabis, like imagine 10,000 people, 100 of the best restaurants, and then 100 of the best cannabis brands. You can buy cannabis. I mean, dude, this is where we're headed. This is the future. This will happen inside the next 24 months. That's where we want to be. We want to be right there up in the game. Well, look at what we just did with the food and wine. Their primary sponsor was Cadillac. And they had to go to Cadillac and say, hey, are you okay with cannabis brands being at the food and wine event? And Cadillac said, eh, sure, okay. So you're seeing these big brand Bro. sponsors, huge people going, mm, okay, we'll see how it goes. And as soon as LA Magazine saw that their biggest brand sponsor was okay with it, they were wow. like, how do we do this across? Yeah. How do we make a 10,000-person giant event, Hot. bring out some of the biggest artists because we can get a traditional brand sponsor to sign off on it? Yeah, and think, about where, think about where that happens in the household, right? You're in the household, the magazine that you've trusted – forever it has the cool vibe it's got the cadillac the audi like the things that you're already into and now in that same conversation you're talking about cannabis you're talking about cool stuff in the buying guide you know what i'm saying it's like that right there is the path to normalization not even legalization normalization because it's right next to the audi thing that you're already into and then it's the thing it's the martha stewart and the snoop dog it's the that you know that's that's where normalization happens. When normalization happens and like the household is okay with this conversation being happening, which you need the big publisher brands to lead you into, that's what's happening right now. So when we look at like where the future is at, that, that's, the, that's the hole that's opening now is this massive opportunity for brands to be like, how do I play in the regular space? If you're going to play in the regular space – you can't just be doing our little sin lounge event okay? <laughs> as much as we love it. We love it. Okay. But you need an omni channel approach. Yep. You need your commercials ready. You need your, you know, your publisher spread stuff. That's going to be in, in print, you know, all of that like omni channel approach. It's, you gotta be thinking about that for the next 24 months. It's, it's mandatory. Absolutely. And, and um, you know, even the point you brought of, of normalizing this, when you see cannabis next to, you know, normal things, traditional things, that really helps break the stigma. And especially when we've seen, you know, when cannabis has broken into mainstream in the past, it's very much, it's either looked at in a negative light or it's like a comedic thing, right? Yeah, like they, sure. they, they make, they make this funny thing, this giggly yeah. thing about it. And, and, but what you're talking about is definitely bringing normalization, but on the theme of, you know, comedy and poking fun, what are some of the, your guys's favorite genres of movies, you know, back to, you know, tying it back to cinema lounge. What are some of you guys' favorite genres of movies to watch while consuming cannabis? Oh, well, we're picking them. <laughs> yeah. We had like, let's see, we had half baked pineapple express. We're doing Goonies uh, this week. We have uh anchorman, uh, Harold, very Harold and Kumar Christmas. So we're going with the classics, of course. Uh, comedy goes really, really well with cannabis. It's just, it's a natural yeah. sink. Um, but, you know, we're also going to continue to expand and offer some more new release films as they come out because action's a really cool thing when you're really, at least for me, I think, when I'm, when I'm nice and high, I love to watch a great action color. My wife loves colorful things when, it's, when she's really, really high. So we'll be probably focusing on, like, comedies and action, colorful things. Those are kind of the focus. Uh, I'm not sure people want to sit and be super dramatic, <laughs> super depressed. <laughs> Some people do. When Some people high. do. I mean, maybe. We're, we'll try it. That's the thing is that we're, we're, this is all new, right? It's yeah. all new, so we're still radiating it. But definitely comedy and action are probably our two focuses, uh, for the, at least for the Cine Lounge. And, you know, to explore – sorry to cut you off. To, okay. to explore that conversation – you know, one of the conversations we're having right now is uh, the um, the uh, film festival. Oh yeah. yeah. So for us, data is a is a big driver, right? Big so time. so when we do an event, we take a lot of data. How many people showed up? Oh, what'd you like about the event? What'd you like this? Comedy right now works for us, right? Comedy is like 
right up the middle. Everybody thinks it's super funny, especially when you're stoned. It's like 10 times as funny. It's like you want to have that experience with your friends. It's totally cool. However, when we do the uh, film festival, the Cannabis Film Festival, we're working on that right now, um, you're going to get a lot of data back. You're going to get a lot of data back where like people who are really in the film, they're like, man, this is this is super cool. But let's talk about, you know, doing docs, documentaries or, you know, what – we really don't know yet because there's right. not enough data to guide us. So we have to experiment over all next year with the film festival. We have an indoor uh, uh, theater that we're going to roll out some product product in. There, there's a whole sort of spectrum inside the movie sphere that we're going to test and see, like, wh what do people really want? Maybe it's cartoons. I don't know. You know, we, we need to try that. There's a lot of experimentation that will happen over the next 24 months to give us the data to really answer that question effectively. Yep. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, you know, and obviously, you know, you guys listed the classics. If we looked at the stoner classic movies, they're, you know, almost always going to be comedy for good reason. You know, cannabis is a feel-good experience. Yeah. Comedies make you feel good. You know, I personally enjoy, like, the – the cheesy action movies like from the eighties that aren't meant to be funny, but they're so shitty that they're funny. You know, it elevates the funny factor there. So what are some of your, I mean, you guys listed them, but what, what, what would you guys say each, each you Rico and, and James, what are, what's your, what's your number one or, or if you got to put three favorite like stoner cult classics. Oh man, that's so difficult. I'm actually a filmmaker as well. So oh, film man. is a hard, is a difficult conversation for me on that. But, um, uh, you know, I have to say Goonies, we're playing that this Saturday, but honestly, Goonies is just like across the board, probably one of my favorite films of all time. And, and it just, it resonates with me. It's, there's a whole lot to that. So, and, and when I'm high, it, it, it kind of connects me with my authentic self, I guess is the best way to put it, yeah. my true self. So when I'm watching something that resonates with me and calls back to, you know, when I was my most authentic as a kid, I just love it. It's just like, yeah, this is cool. So probably Goonies is one of my top ones. Um, and then let's see, uh, shoot, Half-Baked, but that's probably because Half-Baked was right at the certain age and time mm. when it came out that it just clicked to me. We I watched it stoned so many times as a kid that it's just like, or as a kid, I guess I'm like 15 was... That's a kid. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't smoking when I was 15. I waited till I was 21. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah. So that was, those are probably my top two. Uh, I like some of the classic stuff like um, uh, Up in Smoke, oh, you know, kind of like, such a good one. you know, these are, you know, production quality where it probably wasn't, you know, the highest. Right. But I really like that those guys were pioneers in the conversation. You know, mm -hmm. it was a lot had a lot to do with the time and era. You know what I mean? Uh, cannabis was going through some serious uh, challenges at that particular time, right? And it's amazing that those guys were out there using comedy to break the ice and, and have that conversation. So I think those are, like, big ones for me. Um, but I also like really funny um, goofball comedies uh, like Anchorman and Nacho Libre. And like, <laughs> Nacho know, Libre. Hysterical. Right. And if you're stone, it's that much more hysterical. And I think those for me are, are super important because uh, people can have a good time. And if you are stone, great. If you're not stoned, it's still extremely funny. And um, so those are kind of my my favorites. I, I love it. I love it. And it's all I feel you guys. It's all it's always hard to narrow it down because there's probably like a, a top 10 and it's hard to put them into where they're at. Because like I, I feel what you're saying, Rico, is like a lot a lot of these classics came out when we were a little bit younger and and got popular whether it was through older cousins or siblings putting us onto it um you know right around that time we started experiment experimenting if you will um and it, and it just you know it ties in i don't know nostalgia is a big thing for me and like cannabis is especially like i don't know what it is about cannabis it just it provides like this nostalgic you know, i don't know when i consume i have this like thirst for like nostalgia i don't know, it feels you know, like it connects me across eras almost or that's something dope. That's super cool. And, you know, I've always said that, like, alcohol to me is kind of like an amplifier. Like, it amplifies your emotion. If you're angry, it makes you super angry. If you're like, I don't know, it just it's a super amplifier. I feel like cannabis is like an 
empathizer. Like mm. it really helps people kind of empathize. You don't get angry with weed. You kind of, if someone's talking to you, 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 you hear them, you understand them more. Oh, that's a good way to put that. You know, so same with movies. Like if something is, is, is funny, it seems a little funnier. You kind of empathize with it a little more. That is funny. If it's, you know, action-y, you're like, oh yeah, I'd be, I'd be really into that. You tend to just empathize a little bit more with cannabis. I feel like that. So, um, yeah. And you know, for me, I, I, cannabis makes me think, you know, and I like to think I live in that analysis and thinking and, you know, creative mind kind of half and half. And for me, documentaries are like mm. one of my favorite things. I love to watch documentaries, get stoned and watch documentaries. It's fantastic. It feels like I am super into what they're trying to say. And I take a lot of that information. I take it personally. And then I do research afterwards. I try and you know, reinforce these sort of theories and ideologies that I'm experiencing, that happens really deeply in cannabis. So I think for me, like, I, I want to see like the documentary channel that's kind of for stoners. And if you watched Fantastic Fungi, right, about mushrooms, dude, talk about blowing my mind, you know, <laughs> watching Paul Stamets talk about the complexity and the history and we wouldn't even be here without this type of, you know what I mean? Like, but experiencing that while, you know, stoned was just so much more, it was so rich. I don't know if I would have paid attention as deeply and intensely as I was when I was, you know, smoking. Well, now he's gotten talking about that. Okay. So I'm going to have to say when I'm high, it's actually cooking shows that really get me, That's but not just traditional cooking shows, like just competitions, which I love. They're awesome. But like, I don't know if you know some of the cooking shows on Netflix that are like uh, high on the hog that are like or, or uh, Top Chef or, uh, where they talk about kind of the history of where the food came from, where the culture the came from, the detail of it. Man, that is my jam all day long when I'm high. I love hearing about where the food came from, why it was created the way it was and, and how it's influenced the chef. Those are those, I 100 percent agree with you on that one. And I think this is going to be like, you know, we're just kind of spitballing it a little bit here. But I think in the future, you know, producers of television and producers of movies, they're going to start to consider this conversation in the design of the content. They're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be really cool because of the style of detail or the style of narrative is going into this production is going to really resonate with this particular consumer. I think we're going to be a pretty strong data point for these decision making in these particular sectors in the future. And so it's interesting to pay attention to it now. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, you're, you know, most, I won't say most, but most people sitting around consuming cannabis, you know, in the evening time are consuming some sort of visual content, right. From your living room. And it's, it's been that way for a long time. And, and I, I'll say even for myself personally, it's like cannabis also helps you. I don't think, you know, heightens your thoughts, but for me personally, it like, it like blocks out I don't know, for better, or for worse, I, I'm more nice. focused on one thing, right? Like yeah. I can't, I can't, even though my mind and my thoughts might be going crazy, but it's more of a singular focus, you know, like I used yeah. to like, I, I played a lot of basketball when I was younger and I like to smoke before I played basketball because when I played, I just, it's not like I'm super, I'm not a super intense guy, but all I thought about was the game. I didn't have like, oh, then I got this test later today or I got whatever. <laughs> I just was able in the zone. To, to insert myself into the game and just enjoy enjoy or be into that and i think it's the same thing when you're consuming movies or content you kind of you don't necessarily get sucked in but it's you're just in taking in this information and you're not really having too many outside thoughts or influences what you're taking in is influencing exactly your outside it. thoughts and, and and questions in your mind that's exactly it you know i'm i'm into music too i've played as a dj for a long time in different you know genres and when i am at my desk and i am um, uh, stoned, I like to listen to my playlists. You know, it's a different experience when I'm that intentional. I'm literally listening to all the detail and the richness and what's going on. Whereas it's not just background music anymore. It's really like I'm hyper focused on it. And that's just, it just kind of just reinforces your point. It's like, it's all the media that's coming in or whatever I'm focusing on. It just seems more intentional. Mm -hmm. It seems like I'm blocking out just kind of the noise you know, that my brain is coming up with and I'm hyper-focused on whatever I'm dealing with. It's great. Yeah. We got almost meditate. We got to get you, we got to, we got to do a collab. We got to find some scientists that talks about what happens to your brain when you're on cannabis and consuming content. We all got to get together yeah. and have, have a conversation and, and take our yeah. theories and, and put it yeah. into some science. So. Yeah. 
Not not the anecdotal exports. Yeah, not have. just us going. I feel really concentrated <laughs> yeah. when I watch these movies. <laughs> hey, it's real to me. All right, man, it's real to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so for you know brands out there that want to get involved with what you guys got going on at the Cine Lounge Cannabis Club, what are some of the ways that they can activate their brand within the events? Well, let me speak to that just, you know, just high, high level first. You know, we are not trying to throw everything at everybody. What we want to do is understand the brand's mission. Like, what are you up to? You know, because not all players play the same game. They're up to different things. So one of the initial conversations we like to have with people is like, what are you up to? What is your intention? Over the next 30, 60, 90, 6 months, 12 months, what is your intention? What are you trying to do? When we can understand the brand's mission, then we can look at the opportunities that we have and the things that we do and go, oh, you know what? What you're doing right here, we can help blow that up with this thing right here. So I think a lot of it is just being in communication in the beginning understanding the mission. And if you don't have a mission, we can help. We can help say, hey, okay, we get it. You need this little mission right here. This is the two things that we can we can help either with us directly or through our channel partners. It's a lot of it is just understanding the mission first. That's that's part one. Yeah, absolutely. We we're about amplification. So once we figure out kind of what your strategy is, oh, we're focusing on events or we're focusing on digital or we're focusing on narrative driven, then we can go, okay, within that lane, here's what we have that can help you. We have these kind of events for Melee Magazine. We have these kind of events. Also understanding your target psychographic and demographic, because not every event, you know, if you look at the LA Food and Wine event, it's a little older demographic higher income level it may not be the demo that uh you know that one brand is going towards so we don't want to just go oh go to la man it's gonna be great three thousand people awesome now it's not going to be effective if it's not the type of psychographic demographic you're looking for so for us it's about understanding what you're looking to do and then we try to amplify that um for like the cine lounge stuff just to kind of get really narrative in that we really love creating atmosphere and creating experiences so it could be as simple as a pop-up table with a brand that's trying to showcase its products out to like can had a huge bus that they brought out they created a whole experience where people could go they had a lounge in front of the bus so you could sit out in the lounge you could go in the bus they had a whole amazing education center where they talked about cannabis and they talked about what it does all low dose all this kind of stuff so you can do as big of an activation or as small as an activation and then we also have takeovers so like uh, we have Pamos and another amazing drink brand that's going to take over all of the 11th, December 11th. And it's all going to be about uh, Pamos and really kind of figuring out how to pair Pamos with foods and all these other different types of things. So there's not only an opportunity to it can be a small just the table. It can be big an activation or it can be even bigger. It could be a whole takeover. So it's really about figuring out kind of what the brand wants to do and where their strategy is and then helping them to get to their goal. And we can design stuff too. A lot of people, you know, especially on the marketing team or on the creative team, they have like this idea they want to execute, but don't know how to the four or five steps that are before that in order to make that crack. You know, we can help design stuff too. We have a lot of relationships and all over town and lots of things we could do. So a lot of it is just getting sort of in that creative cycle with the team and going, okay, cool. Here's what we're thinking. Here's how much time we need. Here's how many people we're expecting. Here's the sort of rules and regulations we need to do around that. Boom, boom, boom. And then designing something that kind of fits exactly what they're trying to do so they can try things without breaking the bank every time. You know, that's one thing that we have seen happen in the last couple of years is that brands, you know, they kind of throw a big pile of money at something that might be interesting at that minute and then they don't get the ROI. So they're, you know, breaking the bank every time. We don't necessarily like that because we want the brands to be around forever. We like a lot of data feedback for the brands. So we want you to have an affordable thing that you can try because not everything is going to work. We want you to be like, oh, dude, that knocked it out of the park for me. This thing over here, maybe not my thing. But it allows you to kind of navigate these things that are available to figure out exactly where the ROI is going to work for you in what you're intending to do. Let me give you an example of that. We did the LA Magazine event. Phenomenal, phenomenal event. Um, big ups to LA Mag for pulling that off. That was incredible. You, our Pomos, uh, you know, table that we had uh, there was unbelievable. The way that they styled that activation was beautiful. It looked like it was at 
Whole Foods. Mm. It was like they had the fresh fruit. They had a big bar. Yeah. They had a big oh, thing behind it, them it with beautiful. food on it. They had a menu. The, it was amazing. The bartenders that were serving the, the mixed drinks were exactly on point for who their target demographic, psychographic, with who they were trying to reach. They had a line the entire day, like a big-ass line. I, and it was phenomenal the way they branded the drink cups, the way they just – thought and approach this particular thing. Pamos is extremely smart. They do not waste money. They, When they spend their money on something, they are extremely intentional. They put all their effort behind it. They have a lot of experience. And so to watch that type of custom activation come to life and be so successful, that's what we want. We want that for all the brands. But it takes a little bit of thought. It takes some engineering. It takes some effort to really... Time. It takes time to customize that experience. And we think that's what's one of the missings in the space is that people expect to throw up a tent at an event and have a big, you know, I made $3,000 in sales and made my money back and all this. It's not going to happen. What needs to happen is the intentionality, you know, being intentional so that when the customer arrives and they're asking you, they're, they're here for the first experience with the brand, you have thought it out. Your flavor's right. The way your bartenders talk to those people is correct the way that they have a bubbly personality and they're there to answer questions and they're knowledgeable, then the cups are right. The napkins are right. Like having that attention to detail is going to make those lifelong customers. That's exactly what happened with Pomos at the LA magazine event. It was so well thought out. They just knocked it out of the universe. It was, and and they're going to have, you know, amazing results from that. And so for us, if, if you're, our biggest thing is having that conversation, talking about what you're trying to do and accomplishing that goal. And that could be as simple as just setting up an initial call with us. You know, uh, we have our rep like Tony, Tony Villalobos. You can just go Tony at emeraldmarket.co, email Tony and set up an appointment with us. And we can sit down and really start talking about kind of what you want to do, what your goals are, what you're trying to accomplish. And we can talk about what opportunities we have across everything again from magazine to television to events that fit and can help you amplify that so um reaching out to us via emerald market our website's emeraldmarket.co um or you can even if you want to just check out the cine lounge cine lounge cannabis club.com you can check it out there as well and you can reach out to us either one of them uh, either one of those you can get direct contacts to to us and we'll you know sit down and have a conversation with you and and just one more little tidbit there is that Brands don't give themselves enough time to think it through. Mm. So one bit of advice for brands, not even working with us, just in general, is like give yourself 90 days to six months ahead of time when you want to activate so you can really plan through your table, your tent, your experience, your labor costs. Like all those things need to be really dialed in, especially if you're doing an activation like at an event like ours. One of the things that we do for some of the brands that come in is we plug them in with our um, delivery company. So we get you on the menu at that delivery company. Well, that takes time. It takes a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to go through metric. There's like all these things. Brands are always like, you know, 30 days out, I want to do this thing. Dude, it's not enough time. Give yourself enough time to actually make this connection with that consumer. You're already going to spend the money. You're already going to send the labor over there to, to, to set it up and do all the things. Just take 60 more days to really think it through. How are you going to capture the data? How are you going to promote it on the internet and all your social feeds to drive those customers there and build your fan base? Those fans want to connect with you and see you at the events. How are you going to connect with them? What's going to be special for them? Anyways, that's little two pieces right there. There's there's immense amounts of game in what you guys have been spending the whole time, especially there at the end, you know, for, for all the brands out there. There's, you know, to, to recap, we talked about positioning, narrative, intentionality, which is, you know, so overlooked. Um, yeah. And, and owning your understanding channels, owning channels and just getting your message out there. I think that it's a lot of that is missing in this space. And, you know, individuals like yourselves are helping bring that traditional game and knowledge that, any other CPG or market has known and, and it's just a part of the game and is helping bring it to here so people can sharpen their swords, man. So I really, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to hop on here and talk about the various endeavors. And then also there's just a lot of, you know, we're not just plugging your guys' stuff. You guys are giving out a lot of game right now, man. And that's what we do. You know, he's been running the, the SEC big group for five or six years. And all it's been about is connecting brands to resources, whether it's compliant, legal, funding, whatever it is. 
that's been his jam for for years now which is one of the reasons why i wanted to partner with him because i'm the same way i've been in that space for small businesses outside of cannabis for years and i love helping small businesses i love helping people get resources and so that's our jam we we want to help even if it's not directly through us whatever way we can help to leverage we want to do that yeah the startup game is hard enough you add cannabis to that and, oh, then, the, and then problems with funding and banking and legal and compliance cannabis startups are like 10 times as hard so we want to be a wealth of knowledge and resources for brands to win the game we don't want to see brands go out of business that's no. not we don't want to see this industry die we are one industry we need to yeah. come at this together mm. and and really push this thing together it's, it's not cutthroat and it's too much of that going on right now yeah it takes a village for us to really establish this thing for the mainstream consumer if you want to lock down your little market and crush everyone around you I get that. I totally get that. But if you want to reach the mainstream, it needs to be a village. We all got to like pool the resources, figure out how to work together and like, you know, support each other. So we're just trying to do that from our space, which is marketing, advertising and events. We're, we're really just trying to plug people with the best strategy and best opportunities that we can make it affordable so you can figure out what works for you and then just grow from there. I love it. Well, thank you, Rico and James. Really appreciate you guys hopping on here. And again, you guys want to check more out from them, emeraldmarket.co and cineloungecannabisclub.com. Check out both of these endeavors. Make sure to reach out with you guys. Appreciate you guys sharing sharing some time right before the holidays. This is the North American Weed Tour podcast, episode 60. Again, another a round number. I love it. I don't know how we announced man. that. So, Dope. Yeah. Thank you guys very much, man. You guys have a great evening.